Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Cam, I promise not to bark at you, but <laughs> you're ready to rock and roll here on Oilers Now. It's Brendan Escott here. Cam Moon stepping in today. Uh, well, actually, shifting spots, shall we say, with Louis DeBrasque, who's coming up a little bit later on today for our friends at GCL Diesel. Remind you, the guests of the show receive gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. For our friends at Brent Ridge Ford, we bring a board from the Oilers Radio Network, 630 Chad's Cam Moon. Mooner, a 6 nothing win last night. You must be buzzing because you're buzzing usually. Can we hear Cam Moon? Of course we can't. There we go. Hey, now I got you. You got me now? Hey, tell me how excited you are. (laughs) I'm really excited. And the music selection, that only amplified things for me. Uh, Perfect. I I do love some Aussie. Hey, how about, and we'll we'll talk about the game, absolutely. But the atmosphere, and I know you, you alluded to it a little bit earlier, before the game, during the game, but after the game, Wow, down at the Hall of Fame room where they're doing the post-game media, outside was crazy. It was, it was great to see. It, it's everything that I know in my head I had envisioned. Uh, you know, once we knew that a, a downtown arena was coming to Edmonton. I just thought last night was it was almost perfect. Yeah, and you know what, Commissioner Gary Bettman on the face-off show yesterday with plenty of praise for the Ice District and how it's developed and and the spectacle that it's become for something like this. And, and there must have been, uh, you know, Mike Smith looks over and says that it, the, it's 30 people deep lined up to the glass outside the Hall of Fame room just to catch a glimpse of one of your heroes for a couple of seconds. And they're chanting and some of it we could say on air and most of it we can't say on air. And it's just been a total embrace, just like I kind of knew the city would, Cam, but to see it yeah. in full force again, oh. it's special. It really is. It's, yeah, it's it's everything. It's more than I thought it would be. And uh, talking with out-of-town media and, and out-of-town people upstairs between periods last night and in game one, it's really interesting to get other people's perspective of the of uh, of the arena of the ice district, all of that. Because we're here every day, we see it every day, and maybe to some degree you take it for granted. But there were so many people from other media, whether it be Los Angeles or or elsewhere across Canada, that uh, are absolutely blown away at uh, the atmosphere. Uh, you know, everything, people in Euler jerseys, not just before the game, all day. You see them all day downtown. It's, yeah, it's great. The the, the Smitty chance, chance after the game when Mike Smith was talking and it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it was it was really cool. I was, I was impressed by all of it. You know what? I was also impressed. I, I knew 
that when uh, the Canadian national anthem would be sung, it would be very, very loud. And, and Robert Clark is able to hold up the microphone and the crowd can just take it away because it's so loud. I was also incredibly impressed with how loud the American national anthem was. Classy gesture, I think, uh, by Edmonton Oilers fans. Yeah, and certainly wouldn't be the first time, if memory serves, that something yeah. like that has occurred in this city. And it's yeah, it's about hockey fandom here, and it's on display right now. And maybe Game 1 wasn't the the opportunity to exercise all the excitement like we all wanted to because of the way that it ended and the deflating way cam that it ended but last night made up for it and then some i think that most people were expecting a large bounce back performance on the scoreboard but really what surprised me was how they suffocated los angeles physically and that was everybody wearing a navy blue jersey last night exactly like the infusion of Josh Archibald to the lineup, you expect some physicality to come along with it, and it did. Uh, Josh Archibald played a feisty game. He had five hits on the night. Zach Cassian led the Oilers with six. But everybody else chimed in. Connor McDavid chimed in, and I know a lot in the post-game media from Oiler players saying, when you see your captain out there, doing that i mean everybody's going to follow suit which they absolutely did and the thing is with that like if you continue it not just throughout the game but throughout the series it takes a toll and it takes an awful toll especially on the poor defensemen that have the puck dumped in behind them have to turn back and go get it and know full well they're going to get drilled at some point it, after a while your willingness to go back and get it and take that shot starts to diminish. I mean, that's just human nature. And I thought the Oilers, that helped set the tone. Uh, some Mike Smith saves early and certainly on the PK in the first period was huge for the team. If Los Angeles scores on one of those two power plays in the first period, who knows? Maybe it's a different game, but they don't. And, and Darnell Nurse pulled one out of the fire that was in behind Smith. Not that it was about to go in, but had a king stick been able to get there first, then it most certainly would have. But those are the positives that I saw from the first period. And once the team got going offensively, I mean that was a, that was a snowball rolling downhill. There was there was no stopping. And I love that the team was able to not only spread out the offense, but spread out the ice time and of course it helps when you're up three nothing after 40 and then you can pile on in the third period as well but you only have two players over 20 minutes of playing time and that's the the d tandem of duncan keith and evan bouchard so you're able to spread it out as well and that shows the depth of the team right now yeah that's a really good point that i hadn't made yet or brought to the forefront but leon dreisaitl played like 15 and a half minutes and mcdavid yeah. played just under 17 which you know we're talking four or five or six minutes less in a night than they would typically play just because they have the luxury of that so now you know you're not in there crashing and banging and and, and wearing yourself down on that heavy four check that they were all playing and you got to engage the bottom six a little bit more which those yeah guys are never going to say no to particularly in an environment like that where every hit is just blowing the roof off of Rogers place it was and it helps when your bottom six have guys taking the body like that Zach Cassian Josh Archibald Warren Fogel those guys are playing a physical game you got Ryan McLeod flying all over the ice yesterday and he had a, a, a 
commanding game, I thought, for the Oilers, a goal and an assist for him, and uh, just that speed, and, and he just continues to get better and better. You can, you can roll that bottom six out there when, you, when you've got a lead like that, and it's great when they're able to uh, you know chip in with some offense as well. So, yeah, those, those are positives. Uh, Evan Bouchard just continues to improve and impress uh, a couple of assists last night for Bouchard, but you know, playing with Duncan Keith is going to help. Uh, you know, with a guy with that many playoff games under his belt, um, you get you have that experience with you that is a great mentorship for sure, but also a, a nice little safety net too. And then Evan Bouchard is is you know, free and able to do what he can do, and and that is contribute offensively. He's got a heavy shot. He's got a quick shot from the point, and he's getting uh, incredibly uh, deft at getting that thing through and getting it on net. So there was plenty. Well, when you, when you, when you win six, nothing, I guess there's a lot of positives and most certainly there was a lot of positives. Certainly there is. We're chatting with Cam Moon from the Oilers radio network for our friends at Brent Ridge Ford. Lots made Cam about Yesapoyarvi's poor performance in that first game ends up on the score sheet. He, he finally found Twine uh, in that six, nothing victory last night. But overall, I think most people would say that, in the whole sheet of ice, Pugliarvi was better. It didn't come down to just that one rush where he finally threw the monkey off his back. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Uh, in game one, he just looked a little off. Uh, not in the right place at the right time. Not as strong on the puck as, as he probably should be. And in game two, those things were all ratcheted up. And I don't know, maybe part of it was how fired up uh, the crowd was, and I don't know, he could have been nervous. I, I'm not inside his head. Uh, but game two was a drastic improvement. And he, he picks up a goal. He also pick, goes plus two. Uh, he had one hop over his stick earlier in the game where I thought, oh, boy, he's got one here for sure. But the thing was bouncing. It just went off kind of the top of the blade of the stick. But he could easily had a couple of goals in this one. But these that's a that is when we're talking about positives this is definitely a positive uh, to have just uh, playing well like that helps your top six he's a big strong guy he can take the puck to the net uh when get, given opportunity he needs to finish of course and uh, jonathan quick's gonna have a little something to say about that but yeah, good to see Pugliardi have a strong game. And, and now, for him, the challenge is you've got to string another one. Because having one and then, and then having one off and then having a good one and the up and down, that's, that's not a recipe for success in the NHL. It's also not a recipe for longevity. So he's got to string. The challenge for him is now to make game three as good as game two or even better. Yeah, good point by you. And I think that there was a strong chance. He doesn't strike me as the type of player that handles high-pressure situations, especially well uh, when he thinks that the the clock has run out on his time to make a play with the puck. You see him panic, and last night turning and, and slapping the puck with nobody you know, within a clear 15 feet of him, and he slaps it down the ice for an icing. So there's that part of his game, and, and then you see there's, there's a different part of his game entirely. So... Given that, as Cody has pointed out to me here, that was his first game in game one in front of 
a playoff type atmosphere. So I suspect that that would have had some type of influence on just what a poor performance that was, considering how he was able to rebound in in that second game too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because when you think about it, that could be a little overwhelming. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Well, even Yamamoto admitted to it in the post game with that uh, that little headlock he threw on and ended up in the box in the first two minutes. So you want to you want to feed into it, right? But I think the the, the team that is going to go the furthest in the playoffs is going to figure out how to to negotiate the sweet spot of discipline. And Cam, we're seeing this around sort of the rest of the NHL right now, where maybe Tampa Bay's first game lacked some discipline, and then in Game Two in that series, Odie's Toronto lacked some discipline and that ended up costing them the game they lose 5-2 so uh, I, I would suggest that the Oilers have done a pretty good job considering how well the special teams are firing right now uh, penalty kills at 100% and the power play 4 for 8 in this series that's been a big difference maker for them too hasn't it? Yeah it has uh, it's when when your power play can can chip in your PK's been perfect so far plus he got a shorthanded goal in there you You'd think, looking at those numbers after two games, he'd be up two games to nothing, quite honestly. Um, he's a power play that went 0 for 10 against the Kings during the regular season. So, you know, go figure. <laughs> that, that's how it goes sometimes. But, yeah, uh, special teams have been good for them uh, and good to see the, the second power play unit able to chip in as well. So that's, uh, that's a, a you know, huge positive for the club. You want to continue to win the special team battles. Uh, and and do your very best to stay out of the box because you, you got to think at some point Los Angeles is going to cash in. Although their you know, their power play during the regular season was uh, you know it wasn't one that um, was in the top third of the league, so it was just over sixteen percent. Um, they they and and this has been the one series that it hasn't really got you know too fired up. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't seen anything close to a dust up. Whereas in a lot of the other series, it, it just looks a little nastier early on. So, um, you know, get on the Oilers for playing a real physical game yesterday without taking it over the top and having a parade to the penalty box. So um, I think that's important. And uh, looking back at that uh, goalie interference penalty now, hey, Mike Smith, he, <laughs> he sold that one a little, didn't he? Oh, oh, yeah, he did. Somebody actually texted, and I don't think they're listening to the show because they, they said, hey, Stoffer. And uh, he's, this is our resident Maple Leafs fan. He says, hey, Stoffer, your goalie should be playing soccer. He fakes injuries. Should have gotten a 10-minute misconduct for that. That was worse than Connor McDavid. Uh, okay, you, you flip wow. on Sportsnet East then if that's your choice. Yeah. But, but yeah. I will say that, yeah, even even Bob himself on the broadcast motor was suggesting that uh, Smith was playing with a little bit of fire on how easily he was going down on some of those. But you love to see him engaged in that. And frankly, oh, yeah. I mean, you'd rather have him do that than... Uh, I don't know, fold over. The gamesmanship is, is something you like to see, at least from my perspective. Yeah, and, and well, he was bringing it all. Uh, Mike Smith, what a, just a, a competitor. I mean, he competed hard in game one, he, and he made a lot of big saves in game one. He just had one gaffe in the third period that, unfortunately, the game is tied at that point, and there's not a lot of time left. And 
you know, anytime you got a, a goaltender that plays the puck as much as he does, and the last thing you want him to do is not play it as much as he does because he gets them out of trouble and uh, makes it so much easier for the defense, it, there's going to be a hiccup from time to time. Unfortunately, it came at a really bad time. But uh, you you change the way the, off- the uh, opposition plays against you. You can't just dump the puck right to the goaltender because Mike Smith moves it so well. It's it's an easy breakout. Uh, so you have to change that. And and Todd McClellan had, had even alluded to that uh, in his uh, morning media availability a couple of games ago. So yeah, I, I, uh, I look forward to Smith continuing to do what he does. And I was happy for him to get the win last night. One final thought from Cam Moon here from the Oilers Radio Network for Brent Ridge Ford, and that is on the WHL, Cam. The Oil Kings and Red Deer Rebels dropping the puck on round two tonight at Rogers Place. I suspect you'll be in-house. you got to be pumped up for this series, division rivals. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and I will be in the house, and I am looking forward to uh, an outstanding hockey game. Uh Red, you're able to take out Brandon in six. Uh, Edmonton had no trouble with Lethbridge going four straight in the first round. These two teams played ten times in the regular season. Uh, Red, you went five and five against them, so they they can certainly give the Oil Kings a good push. But this is a, a loaded up Oil King team. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, four first round picks, five guys from the World Juniors. You name it. There's uh, there's a ton of talent on this club. So I, I love it, and I love the fact that the fan bases can travel back and forth. It makes the atmosphere in the arena even better. Uh, I saw the Central Scouting Service final rankings came out. Uh, ben King from Red Deer, who's been passed over in the draft twice, is ranked 96. He led the WHL with 52 goals. He's a 19-year-old player. He's a guy I really want to watch close um, you know, to see where he is at this point. Somebody's going to draft him. And I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, draft him, sign him, and put him in the American League next year as he'll be a 20-year-old next season and could do that. But uh, when you lead the league in goals, um, you know, there's a, a good chance you can be a pro. Yes, sir. I would think so. Uh, Cam, always a pleasure to catch up, my friend. We will see you next week, Tuesday night at the rink, I guess. Looking forward to it. And uh, shout out to everybody at Brent Ridge Ford. Hope you guys are having some fun there today. Appreciate it. Cam Moon from the Oilers Radio Network. He's actually taking the place today of Kevin Weeks, who's from the NHL Network and ESPN. Kevin flying to uh, to his latest broadcast location. You, you've seen him on Twitter, right? He could actually be in the cargo compartment of the plane about to break a trade or something. I'm not sure, but he's not with us today. Touch base with him this morning for NHL Network and ESPN. For our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. We'll connect with Kevin next week. We'll come back momentarily with the injury report for James H. Brown, Injury Lawyers. Oh, my goodness. James H. Brown Injury Report, brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. We sort of gave you the update around the league in NHL today, but uh, as far as the Oilers go, pretty clean bill of health, eh? Yeah, very healthy for the Oilers right now after two playoff games. Let's hope they keep it that way. The Kings, one major one, Victor Arvidsson. He's still out right now. Listed as day-to-day, it's an undisclosed injury, though. 
I'm kind of questioning if they're going to get him back for games three or four. Like, it seemed like it could be a little more serious than they're leading on to. So you've got undisclosed. I read somewhere that it was personal reasons, so it's the whole cloak. And you know you're not getting any honest information about any franchise at this time of year anyway. So I'm Bingo. sure he'll be able to a game-time decision the rest of the way. Arvidsson could be a difference maker for this club, too. He was great in Nashville, but, uh, you know... I think they'd rather have a or not Sean Walker, I believe, is the defenseman on the back end, and they've got some guys on, on there that instead of uh, Jordan Spence, for example, they'd probably rather have some more veteran presence. Also, also, Brad Marchand, this just came down from NHL player safety, got five grand for the fine on uh, Carolina's Tendi last night. I don't know if I want to try to pronounce that last yeah, name. What's I it? Won't. Peter Kuchikov or something? <laughs> Kuchikov sounds good enough to me. I'll take uh, it. Yeah, he got into a slashing war with Marchand, and then uh, three I love ruins it. ended up in the penalty box at the same time. When I was referencing the, the lack of discipline play, that's exactly what I was making reference to Boston fell apart last night they're now down 0-2 to Carolina we are off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell back with Louis DeBrusque Sportsnet color analyst on the other side Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. weekdays at noon on Oilers radio 630 Chad